Hi, everybody. I'm Rob, and welcome to the First Time Founders Podcast, the show where we tell the truth about what it really takes to take a business from nothing and turn it into something. Today, I'm very excited that we're joined by Lena Alea, the Marketing Director at Wireless Social, the UK hospitality sector's leading Wi-Fi and data insights company. Now, Lena also happens to be my wife. Um, the reason I asked Lena on to the show is that something I feel really strongly about that isn't spoken very often about is the toll that early stage entrepreneurship can take on a relationship. But actually also, and we get into this today, the great joy that you can bring to a relationship by sharing your life's work with someone and supporting each other through, uh, through adversity and sharing highs together. Lena comes from a family of entrepreneurs, so she has a really interesting perspective on the pros and cons of pursuing an entrepreneurial life and choosing to uh, spend your life with an entrepreneurial person. She's also a, a new mother. We've got a one-year-old son together, and she has some really interesting perspectives on what it means to work for a startup or indeed to be the founder of a startup um, at the same time as becoming a parent. So I really hope you enjoy the episode. Without further ado, let's get to it. Lena, welcome to the First Time Founders podcast. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Wasn't that easy for you to say no, to be fair, was it, given that we live in the same house? Yeah, I, I, you didn't really give me a chance to say no. <laughs> Well, listen, let's dive right in rather than making it awkward for our listeners. Um, would you mind giving people a bit of a summary as to what you do today for a living and your sort of potted career history before before this? Uh, we, we'll spare people with the details of how we got together, but I think it would be interesting for people to understand your professional perspective before we get into your views on, on entrepreneurship and marriages in entrepreneurship. Mm. Yeah, sure. So right now I work for Wireless Social. I'm the marketing director. Uh, Wireless Social provides guest Wi-Fi analytics data insight for marketing teams in hospitality. We're also moving into retail. Before that, I've been in hospitality for maybe since I moved to London. So 2015, um, I was with Yapster, obviously, which was very exciting. And then before that, an association. Before that, I was in China. I did my MBA in China and just traveled pretty much everywhere before that different marketing roles different industries so quite vast experience i guess um from an entrepreneurship perspective so you were not the first sort of entrepreneur in my life it was my brother actually he is a hardcore entrepreneur since we were little kids so i have lived with entrepreneurs my entire life we have aunts and uncles that do it so yeah, I'm not an entrepreneur myself, but I definitely feel like I am. I understand that world. What would you say characterizes the difference between an entrepreneur and someone that's not an entrepreneur if you don't consider yourself one? Um, it's a drive. The drive you guys have that like, you know, get up and do it and it's all you do. And it's just nonstop all the time. Just thinking about that next thing. Yeah, it's intense. It's an intensity that you don't see in, I don't want to call it normal people, but yeah, different people that don't do entrepreneurship. It's not for everyone. And it's not just the hard work, is it? Because I get to see the hours that you put in nights and weekends. 
Would you say just a little bit about the relationship between an entrepreneur and rejection? Oh my gosh, definitely. That's that's one that was intense for me to see both in for you and my brother, like the nose, the amount of like closed doors in your face is just brutal. Like um, you have to be okay with literally getting off a call or a meeting where they said, no, we hate your product. This is not good for us and go straight into another one and still perk yourself up to be like, you know, hey, this is my product. That's intense. And it takes a lot of like courage to be able to do that. And do you see, do you see a difference between the entrepreneurs in your life externally and then internally, either within your marital home or, you know, within your family home with a sibling? Yeah, Talk a little bit about the difference. Definitely. So like, I, I definitely think there are some entrepreneurs that uh, they struggle with getting to the different levels. Like they don't get out of like, this is just the beginning, um, you know, like the scaling of a company. I think from what I've seen is a founder needs to grow with the business as the business grows. So he can't grow past where the business is growing and he can't be behind where the business is going. You, I don't know if that makes sense, but like I've seen that critical, like for you, for my brother and for other entrepreneurs, because I also have friends that are entrepreneurs and they tend to either go too fast where they thought they were at one point, but they, the business didn't develop at that same rate operations wise, people wise, it just got out of hand and then that creates tension and it, it just, you can see it sometimes. So let's, let's talk a little bit about our journey together at Yapster. And I think it'd, it'd be fun for people when we talk about being colleagues and then also being husband and wife. Um, before we do that, we'll do a quick refresher for folks remembering that when we talk about sort of building an, entre an entrepreneurial organization, so I would call it sort of entrepreneurial selling 101, we effectively break it into three phases, right? We talk about finding message market fit that has mm -hmm. nothing to do with building a capable product yet. No. It's literally just, do you have a story that a definable, repeatable group of customers buy into? If yeah. they do, then you get to put a product in their hands and then you actually need the product to deliver the whatever the vision inherent in the pitch was, right? And once you've achieved that, then you've got what we call product market fit. And then you can go on to scaling an organization, which is about adding more customers, more people, kind of more everything to allow mm. the business to reach its full full potential, both financial and otherwise. And of course, Yapster went through all three of those stages, but like in a slightly awkward order and a big part of what I do outside of my day job, as you know, is sharing with other first-time founders that three-step methodology so that they can hopefully be a little bit more efficient in their journey and suffer yeah. less pain. So would you mind going back to kind of your journey with Yapster, your journey with sort of me in our personal life and talking about the journey from your perspective and just thinking about those kind of three stages. I think it will help people if you kind of put the experiences into time buckets between the three stages. Yeah. So can I say that you initially didn't want us to work together or is that too far? Well, I'm not good enough at editing to take it out. So I think you just did say it. <laughs> So, yeah, so initially, obviously, when I when I met you, it was because I, 
I think entrepreneurship is so exciting. I think people that have that drive, that willingness, and obviously that have the idea, it's amazing. I think people have to have charisma as well. Well, they don't have to, but definitely a product or an idea sells better if whoever is selling it has that charisma. And that I think is really important. So I saw that and I thought it was really exciting. Obviously, COVID happened. So from a Yapster perspective, all our customers were, you know, zero. So pretty much Yapster went sort of on like survival mode. And part of the thing is I was sort of letting go of my previous job as well. And I just couldn't watch and see Yapster go through that without some of the marketing that is essential that I believe marketing is essential. So I started helping with that and just seeing the struggle of like customers, obviously the hospitality industry was completely hit. Uh, customers couldn't pay. You had to make an entire team redundant, which was brutal from an emotional perspective. Um, it was hard. We just came back from our honeymoon and you had to go through all of this. So it was super intense in that sense and that's where the emotional part as a wife it was kind of like okay I need to be there for him because this is really hard he's you know it's sort of unforeseen events for anyone really anyone running a business or managing a business managing a team that was a very hard time and then oh, Lena, I, know, I know there's more of the story but I just want to jump in quickly do you think it was easier for us because you had marketing skills and you knew that because all of my target customers were closed, potentially indefinitely, we kind of had to cut costs to survive. But also if we didn't keep telling a story, there would be potentially be no business when we came back. So it was kind of clear like that the business needed to keep marketing that didn't have the resources and that you had the skills to make a contribution. What do you think it would have been like to see your husband, the founder, go through that experience if you didn't have any professional, sp particularly relevant oh, professional man. skills to put your shoulder yeah, to the Yeah, I don't know. I can't, I can't imagine it, if I'm honest, because I 100% believe you have to keep telling a story to keep your customers engaged, even when, because with, with telling stories, you don't know when people are listening and, and you don't really know when they're actually going to buy into your story. I always say this, like, we post a video today, it might not get anything, but, and it happened a lot at Yapster. We did webinars and stuff. And like five months later, somebody would be like, oh, I saw you at this, I saw this webinar you did with so-and-so, can we talk? You know, like it's a long lasting reward. Um, and yeah, I think that if, if, if I didn't have that, then yeah, maybe it would have been, actually, I've never thought about it if I'm honest. Um, well, it just let's, let's, let's think about it out loud because I think it's interesting and I think a lot of people that are listening to this whether they're founders or whether their loved ones are founders probably are pretty high percentage and not going to have a set of immediately useful skills to to the business mm -hmm. or maybe that's not true you might say that they, you know anybody could do customer support arguably just yeah just interested if you do think out loud about I think it. Do you think you, would you have found something to do even if it wasn't a sort of high-end skill yeah, absolutely. I, I think, and I think that's where you sort of bring in that if you, I, I, we read this somewhere and I can't remember who it was, um, wrote a book about being the wife of a, of a founder, but she made it sound really tragic <laughs> as if it was like, you know, <laughs> super hard and stuff like that. And I agree, it is really hard and it is not for everyone. Like I talked to a couple of friends and not everyone can be married to somebody who 
you know, it's, it's so excited and has all these ideas, but then a lot of things are sacrificed. Like your time is sacrificed. Sometimes you have to work on weekends because it's your business, you know, like if you don't do that, your business could, could go down. And that's like sort of the family part of things. So you have to be really understanding. So I think it, it really does have to have a certain personality to be married to someone that is a founder. I, I think, you think you, you, so you, you definitely would have just sucked it up and done something. Oh, absolutely. You, I, I, you, you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't recommend like separation between kind of work, work and home for other, other couples in the See, same situation. Not, I think that's one of the conversations we had because you thought that it would be hard to have that sort of relationship. I don't know if it's because of my upbringing where, you know, my brother, I saw him, you know, I used to help him with his initial business, like, I think it was shipping and handling or something like that. So I literally just said, okay, fine, I'll do the shipping. I'll do this. I'll help you with this. I, so it's it's more about being an all in. So when you're in, you're in and for good or for bad. And I think when you marry an entrepreneur, I think one of the things why you marry said person is because of that personality they have. So you have to sort of align that for when you get married. I think it must be difficult when you're not an entrepreneur yet, but you've always wanted to be, then you're married, then you decide to quit your job, and then you decide to go on this. That's where I think it might be difficult as a couple. I guess for us, it was different because you were an entrepreneur from the get-go. Um, and that's where communication is super important, and there's a lot of sacrifice for both parties, obviously. Um so we're going to come on to talking about sort of some of the other later stages of, of, of a startup, but let's, I, I think it's really interesting to dig in here a little bit. Um, what would your advice be for not the, not the spouse, but for founders and founders of both genders, I would say. Um, yeah, hundred oh, percent. Like how do they need to think about like keeping their marriage together? I think that yes, all in with your business, but you, you do have to make the time for your relationship. Uh, I think you have to communicate is super important. Um, I, I can't emphasize that enough in all aspects, in all relationships. Communication is key. Um, being open about, you know, the emotions and the feelings, like, are you not comfortable with this? And and I do think in a way, draw some lines. Like, I was always okay with you working on weekends because I can also work on weekends. But now we have a child, it's a bit different where I'm like, okay, I don't want to work after a certain time and I hope you don't work so that you can spend time with with him. So it it's about drawing lines early on and having that open conversation and if things get too far make sure that it's okay to have the conversation so it's a safe space sort of to be able to to talk. Um I, I actually I don't know if you remember the video we I, I shared with you, I can't remember her name, I'm terrible, but it was a, one of those Instagram reels where she was saying that them as a couple are 100, but it's not 50-50. So like if at one point, because you're super stressed with work and you're like at a 20% that time, then I'm like, okay, I got you. I got the 80%. Or the other way around, if with my own job or motherhood and stuff like that, and I tell you I'm at a flat 20 then you say, okay, I got you. I got the rest. But making sure that when both of you are at 20, 
you have the conversation and you're like, okay, something's not right here. I, I thought that was actually really interesting. It was one of the few Instagram reels that like was gen- genuinely like moving and, and interesting. You're right. This idea that as a couple, you need to be, you need to be a hundred percent between you. And normally people think that means being 50, 50, but life is life and relationships are very rarely 50, 50. Yeah. It kind of ebbs and flows. And you're right. Like you need to be able to pick up the slack for each other. Marriage is more yeah. about picking up the slack for each other than it is about necessarily being even. I got a question for you. When you talk about good communication, one of the things that used to drive me crazy when we were having difficult times in Yapster, not difficult times at home. I mean, like I, I, pitch an organization yapster is a great product but it wasn't the right fit for that particular type of organization let's say they needed rotoring or something what we did was communications for me like i'd get rejected and it it genuinely would bounce off me pretty quickly like Mm -hmm. i I, um and i think quite often you found that hard to believe and sometimes i felt like you'd get annoyed with me because you felt like i wasn't being real with you can you talk (laughs) a little bit about that yeah well i think that's also personality i i remember what customer you're talking about. I was not not going to say names, but I was super excited about them joining. I think I had a little bit to do with the whole getting a conversation going. And then they just said no. And I think I was upset for like three days where you were just like, let's move on to the next one. And I was like, why aren't you mourning this situation? I want to mourn. Let's mourn the situation. I think it's just because it's a different personality. Like I am more... I do think about it. Obviously, it didn't stop me from going, but I was genuinely bummed. And it was hard for me to see that you were just like, okay, next one. Um, again, it was also the same when we got good news, wasn't it? Like, you also got annoyed with me when we got good news. Oh, yeah, because you didn't over-celebrate. I wanted to literally, like, let's let's have a glass of wine and celebrate what just happened. This was amazing feedback, you know, progress. And you were just like, yeah, okay. I think... On to the next one. Either way, right? Good or bad, yeah, on to the next way. one. Exactly. And and I think it must be because you had been going for so long because it's it wasn't just Yapster. You've done other things in the past where you literally have to get up and shake it off quickly because things life doesn't stop. So life won't wait for you to stop mourning, per se, this these answers. So... Yeah, or if you're if you're celebrating yourself, something else is going to break. I have to say, where where as you, as you'll you'll know, and we'll come on to this because we're now talking about product market fit and and scaling up. I actually found um, learning the art of people management less so leadership, but definitely like managing people for to achieve business outcomes. I found that much harder to shake off when it went wrong um, yeah. than wins and losses with investment or, or deals. I, I, it always felt more personal to me. I always felt really responsible. Like, like if I wasn't useless, then this person wouldn't like, it wouldn't have gone wrong with this particular role or, you know, you, does that make sense? Like, yeah, I feel I think, like you can talk a bit about that. Cause I definitely brought that sort of sadness home at times. Yeah. I think I also agree that I think you were also too hard on yourself at times. And we, I, for example, when it came to people, didn't agree with you. I thought that um, when we implemented traction and, and I, I've spoken it at my current job where we talk about like the right seat, where you need to find and position the right seats within your business. And then you find the person rather than trying to fit a person onto a seat that they just don't fit in. I think one of the things I told you when we started working together is that if I wasn't doing a good enough job for you, 
I would quit because this was our base, our, I don't know, I can't think of the word, um, but business is business in a way. So again, personality-wise, I don't think that anyone would feel like, oh, business is business and fine, fire me. But I was, obviously it would hurt, but I would totally accept, Lena, you're not delivering, I need more, then fine, let's hire someone and, else. And you didn't think I was hard enough, is that the point? Yes. Yeah. So in that, you weren't hard enough. With the other stuff, you seemed really hard. But with that, I, I think you weren't as hard. That That's interesting. And do, do, you, do you see that? Do you see parallels with my strengths and weaknesses, like between home and work? Or are they quite different? Like, are the, are the characteristics kind of the same? Um, you definitely try to sell me more plans and get away from tasks the way you sold Yapster. So that's the same. <laughs> well, like, well, like, like I'm fundraising. Yeah, exactly. Like you're fundraising <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, but how about this instead? <laughs> no, Rob, just take out the trash. There's no debating. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but no, jo joking aside, like um, I think partly, yes, it, your your personality was definitely the same at home as it was in the business. And there are just so many factors. I definitely think becoming parents intensified that a lot more. So, yeah. Would you recommend that um, founders turn to their spouses when they're making, like, early hiring decisions because yeah, I think that's a really polarizing question I think a lot of people maybe like particularly some of our more woke listeners might think that's sort of horrific in some way but of course there's a long history of, of business people you know going out to social encounters with wider families I think particularly in the states mm -hmm. and I think it's very common that, that someone's life partner is also their kind of confidant when they meet business contacts together in those joint social settings so I don't think what I'm asking even if you agree that you should turn to your spouse and it's okay for your spouse to have an opinion on people and business matters I don't think that's hugely controversial though I don't think it has been done as much in the UK or recently what's your view I I well I think so I I mean I don't want to like generalize because obviously I am me we're, we're different sort of people so like I don't know what other founders and the relationship they might have with their spouses um if you do talk I think it is important to talk because that person knows you inside out at home so they see you at your worst they see you at your best so they will know what kind of personalities fit with your style and I think or, or cover your weaknesses right or cover your weaknesses absolutely if you see somebody who is like and, and, and you need someone to be honest with you and say, I think that's the other thing we didn't talk about, that I'm, I'm very direct, which is, not, which is another thing that we have had to discuss, that I am too direct compared to what maybe you have been used to. So like, You don't pretend to like people, do you? No, I, I can't. I am a terrible liar. I'm, I can't fake it. It's, it's really, it's just not something that I, I can do. It's such a Latin stereotype. That is a Latin stereotype, and I put it to a T. So, again, personality-wise, if you if you are invested, I, I I think why founders need to involve their spouses is because if this is your dream and this is sort of like your baby, as I called Yapster, um, I want to be involved in that. I want to be part of that journey. I mean, I was 
grateful that I was fully involved in it as part of the team. But if you, if I wasn't part of the team, I wanted to know what was going on, what deals were happening, because it's a big part of your life. So if, if we're together, it's a big part of my life as well, just as I expect you to care about what I'm working on, what uh, mm. campaigns I'm working on for my current job. Does that make sense? Totally. Lena, can you... Um... We obviously had a son in the last year. I say obviously because you referred to it a few minutes ago, not because it's like <laughs> national news. But we had a son a year ago. It's been amazing. It's been challenging. You're a professional mum. I'm a professional dad. Can you talk a little bit about, although you say you're not a founder yourself, you do have many entrepreneurial characteristics. And of course, you know, you've you've always been around entrepreneurship. I'm sure listeners would be happy for you to put your yourself in the shoes of a first-time mum, first-time founder, even though you're only half of that equation in terms of direct experience. Can you just talk a bit about that? Like, what would you, what would, you, what advice would you give? Well, we don't have enough time to cover founder? the motherhood journey. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, I, I keep wanting to refer to something a friend said, where it's like, it's an amazing, wild adventure, but it also is so hard. And I think. For me, I'm not a founder, but one of the things that I have struggled with a lot is I want to be a good mom. Like I, you know, I love, I love our son, but I also want to have a career. Um, and I think it's that battle, internal battle, because nobody's asking me to battle it out. It's just me trying to be the best in both worlds and something, some things give, you know, like I used to want to, I used to work until like, 8 p.m. and be okay with it whereas now I'm like okay it's five I'm gonna take a break and I'll come back after bedtime so as a founder I can see how you definitely have to come to terms that some things are gonna give it's gonna give um whether you're a mom it's gonna give up time with him and you will have to use nursery care help so that your child is well taken care of but when you're with him you're with him and if you're at work, then you're at work. You have that help where they're, you don't have to be concerned. Oh, is my child eating? Is he doing this? Is, you know, you have the activities and you can focus on work 100%. Um, and it's just would you, go, would you go so far as to say, because, you know, a big part when we do entrepreneurial selling, we work with first-time founders, we're, we're asking them honestly if they have the skills and the resources to actually bring their product vision to life. Because if they don't, there's no shame in starting a different type of business. Rolling that kind of philosophy forward, is the real, in reality, the impact of what you're saying, I'm assuming is that there, sh there will be some people that want to be parents and also want to be entrepreneurs where this might limit the type of startups they can and should start. For your mental well-being and being honest with ourselves, yes. Like I've seen a lot of moms that become entrepreneurs and they are the entrepreneur when they're not with their with their child. So I think you also have to be realistic with your growth expectations. So what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to get to that one millionaire or like ASAP? Or are you trying to create a sustainable growth where it's a business that works around your schedule but also keeps you in like your brain engaged and not just being like 
yeah, not just being in one thing, but being able to do both things, you know, like being able to juggle it all. Um, I think you just have to be honest with yourself about where you can go. Like, I I remember I... Because that's a really hard thing to do, isn't it? That is super hard. Like, it's hard for entrepreneurs to be honest about their skills and resources without trying to also be a great parent to a living human being. A hundred percent. And I think you just, I, I think, and this is my personal opinion, I think people are are not honest enough about what it takes and how hard it can be. I remember when I was pregnant and I saw, I forgot her name, the Bumble CEO, and she was pregnant and or she had a child and she IPO'd and, you know, she seemed like she was this like, all round absolutely amazing and I was like oh my god I want to be like her and then when it came to it you know I I realized that's not all true in a sense like she had a lot of help she could pay a lot of people to help her while she did other stuff she had a team so when you think about it she had an entire team company behind her not to take away absolutely how far she got but that idea that I had oh my god she can have it all she can have like this amazing career IPO, child, mom, you know, all this stuff, you have to sort of bring it down and be honest about it. Yes, you can have a lot of things, but a lot of things will give and you have to have the right support. So as a founder, do you have that support to be a mom and a founder to get to where you want to get to? You have to be honest yeah, about it, your objectives, pretty much, is what I'm trying to your, say. Your objectives and your resources, because that's yeah. exactly the point, isn't it, right? If you're, whether it, your partner in that situation n- needs to be able to, if, you, if you're not pre-IPO and you've got all the financial resources and you're comfortable sort of throwing money at the problem, let's assume you're in an earlier stage, you're realistically going to need a partner on the other side of that equation, mm-hmm. like me, in our example, to step forward and say like sometimes you'll I mean Christ how many times have that as our kid got sick and been sent home from, from nursery yeah, right? not something we ever thing. contemplated like when that happens somebody needs to go get the kid because the nursery literally won't keep him no no he literally gets kicked out of the nursery and you're like <laughs> I have a meeting in two hours and I have to prep for this meeting I have to do a deck I have to do this what do I do so it, it's just being honest, honest and real. That, that is really hard, right? Can you imagine if I was still like in the early days no. of the struggle and I you and, and and like maybe the maybe the survival of the company depended upon attending that meeting? That, like you would have to like, it, I would feel so lousy forcing you to cancel meetings when your meetings are just as yeah. important. But, but I think like, this maybe, is where maybe other the, people's jobs aren't going to get lost. This, this is where the communication comes in. Like you just have to be honest about, you know, these are, you know, what my goals are career wise. I know what your goals are, you know, in your ideas and all that. We, we know where we are from a home perspective. So it's just making sure that we're both working towards that together. Like single parents to me are like amazing. It's just. <laughs> me too. I'm how. <laughs> And then also have a career, you know, so I think it's just being honest, being honest about what your growth expectation is and set yourself real milestones of like what you can actually achieve, you know, and what's to say that if you're starting a business now and you're a parent of a young child, you can do it. Absolutely. But it's not going to be a piece of cake. You're going to need a lot of support. You're going to need someone to back you up when with your child, 
and you need someone to support you as well because you one thing is when you were really stressed out you could see it you could you could you carried that stress around so like what did we do we used to go to the gym we used to take a a night off and have a glass of wine go for dinner but be honest about the fact that I'm carrying the weight of the world right now and I need hmm. something I think focusing on that the balance just not making it sound like it's like the movies where it's perfect I had this idea I launched it and blah blah, blah. And no one tells you about the that part of like where it's tough well, that was why I wanted you to come on, because I think there are a few lessons that I hope people will take away from this. One, pick a great person, partner that's just a good person. Two, pick a great pers- partner that's a good person that that loves you and believes in you, wants to be a part of your dream, making that happen however they can do that. And then on your side of the equation, even if you've done all of those things, you've got to be realistic about the resources that are going yeah. to be required to realize your vision. Because if you don't have those resources you're now drifting from sort of ambitious into um, delusional and that zone is super, super dangerous, right? So it's like you have to be adequately resourced, which you can achieve by acquiring more resources or cutting down the initial scope of your vision. Um, I really, Lino, I really appreciate this and being open about this. And you joked about it. You at least smiled about it at the beginning. You know, I know you're a private person. Sharing this sort of stuff publicly is, is maybe not something you would necessarily like have begged me to do. But again, this is one sport. of the things you just have to support <clears throat> the idea. You want to do this. And I agree. I think it's amazing. Here we are. <laughs> And listen, like it's important. It's important if this if this helps even one person that's either okay. has already started or thinking about starting a business or their significant other, then um, hey, it was worth it, even if it makes us cringe, right? No, I say exactly. I say us. It clearly doesn't make me cringe at all. But if it makes you cringe, <laughs> thanks. I'm glad that I'm the awkward one here. No, but yeah, I think like from an advice perspective, it's. Is just being honest, honest with yourself, honest with your spouse of like where you are, what resources you have at hand. Because, you know, obviously now we're in a different position of where we were a couple of years ago, you know, where we live. We live in a different place. We, it's just different. So just being honest about the help you have and all of that to make sure that you set yourself up for success. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a dream and wanting to achieve that dream but also be realistic of where you are and know when to call it quits. I think that's one of the things that founders, no offense, are not very good at and they might suffer through an endless amount of like hardship when it's totally okay to say, okay, this one didn't work. Let's just close it and try again. Yeah, that's really good advice. And, and I'm sure we'll have more episodes as well when we talk to people about how how by applying a clear framework with clear milestones to navigate your journey through this very confusing but amazing experience allows you to, in a dignified way, press on, pivot or give up so that you can protect your marriage, your mental health, your financial position, and actually still be in the game to go again later. So thank you for that unexpected wisdom, Nina, outside of the topic, but definitely maybe you'll come (laughs) back on another topic and we'll talk about that a bit more because, um, I know you have tons, tons of value to offer across the whole entrepreneurial journey.